0: Hello, my name is Sean Thomas Radcliffe. Welcome to this episode of Preservation Oaks. In this series, we introduce you to yet another extraordinary organization serving their community by conserving and preserving our heritage. It could be an organization in your community, in your county, or in your state. Now sit back and relax and enjoy the program. Good day everyone. This is Sean Thomas Radcliffe coming to you from Salt Lake City and this is Preservation Oaks, the internationally syndicated original talk program on MicroStream Radio, where we feature interviews with professionals from museums, cultural and heritage institutions, historical and genealogical societies across the United States. Thanks for listening everyone. This episode marks the halfway mark of the first season of Preservation Oaks. We've learned so much from our previous guests and had so much fun. From your emails, we know you're enjoying the program as well, so keep them coming. Our main platform is preservationoaks.podbean.com, but we're also on every podcast platform as well as YouTube. So wherever you listen to the program, I appreciate it very much when you like, comment, follow, or subscribe. If you're listening and you'd like to be a guest on the program, or if you have questions or comments about the program, Launch an email to preservationoaks at gmail.com. Our program exists to give people a better understanding of these organizations, know how they're funded, how each is unique to the communities they serve, what programs and events they currently have underway, and what services they offer to the public and their members. We believe this information is vital for people to know how to work with these organizations and how important it is to join, support, volunteer with, and donate to one or more of these core societies. Each guest organization on Preservation Oaks brings with them a truly unique viewpoint and perspective around how they tell the story of their communities, how they continue to be relevant for the times in which we live, and what kinds of exhibits and volunteer opportunities they've created. This makes listening to each episode of the program interesting, fun, and diverse. Alright, that being said, let's get this show snapping. Our historical March birthdays for this episode. Happy birthday to Rebecca Lee. On March 1st, 1864, she was born, and she was the first black woman to get a medical degree. On March 3rd, 1847, Alexander Graham Bell invented the first working telephone. On March 8th, 1886, chemist Edward Kendall isolated cortisone and won the Nobel Prize in 1950. Happy birthday to George Hayward on March 9, 1791. He was an American surgeon and he was the first one to use ether anesthesia. Happy birthday to Ernest Rutherford on March 24th, 1871. He was a British nuclear physicist and is considered the father of nuclear physics and won the Nobel Prize in chemistry in 1908. Happy birthday to Norman Borlaug on March 25, 1914. He was an Italian humanitarian and agronomist who won the Nobel Prize in 1970 for inventing methods to increase food supply and was also awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Happy birthday to Wilhelm Conrad von Röntgen, who was born on March 27, 1845. He was a physicist, and he discovered X-rays and won the Nobel Prize in Physics in 1901. On March 4, 1955, the first radio facsimile, or fax transmission, was sent across the continent. On March 6, 1899, Felix Hoffman patented aspirin. He discovered that the compound called salicin found in willow plants provided pain relief. On March 25, 1902, Irving W. Colburn patented the sheet glass drawing machine, making the mass production of glass for windows possible. On March twenty-seventh, 1790, the first shoelaces were invented. Couple of jokes. My interwebs genealogy research site went down today, and so I spent some time with the family. They seem like nice people. Those who don't study history are doomed to repeat it, and yet those who do study history are doomed to stand by helplessly while everyone else repeats it. You have a drink of Twining's Tea? I love Twining's Tea. On our next episode of Preservation Oaks, we'll be meeting with the Rural Woodbury Historical Society located in Correctionville, Iowa. They have a wonderful group and occupy the old bank building in Correctionville. There's a good story behind the name of the town, and I think it will be an episode you won't want to miss. For this episode, we greet Ruth Armstrong, the Vice President of the Genealogical Society of Lynn County, Iowa, located in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. If you're a resident in the local area, this episode will help you understand what the society has to offer, how you can participate and take advantage of the worthwhile events the society sponsors, and how to best support them by volunteering and donating. Here's a short bio of our guest. Ruth Armstrong was born in Des Moines, Iowa, but moved to Lynn County as a baby and was raised in Marion, Iowa. She earned a Bachelor of Music at Simpson College in Indianola and then taught music for 34 years in various locations in Iowa. Ruth has been a volunteer at the Genealogical Society of Linn County, Iowa since 2015 and was made the vice president in 2018. Ruth is married and lives in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the program, Ruth. I'm
1: very glad to be here.
0: You know, I was looking at Cedar Rapids. What a nice town. Lots of trees and beautiful houses. And around where you are in the genealogical society, it's really beautiful with nice buildings that look almost, I don't know, Williamsburg or Colonial.
1: Yes. The county was formed in the 1840s, and we have beautiful homes, and our county officials are very, very generous in historical preservation grants and keeping the community looking very, very well. And even the newest buildings are built to look old. They're built to look like they would have, you know, 100 years ago. They've done a nice job keeping that flow and that feeling.
0: That's very nice. It, It sure shows. Can you give us a history of Linn County?
1: I can. Linn County is located in the east-central part of Iowa. We have several rivers. It was established by an act of the legislature of the territory of Wisconsin in 1837. Within its limits, it embraces two Indian land sessions from the Sack and Fox Indians. And by 1840, settlers who were wanting to move west could buy land in Linn County at the land office at the county seat, which at that time was in Marion, Iowa. There are 21 townships. Cedar Rapids became the county seat in 1919 because it became the center of a lot of large industry and growth along the Red Cedar River, which now is just called the Cedar River. And we have a unique aspect that our city hall, courthouse, and county jail were built on an island in the middle of the river. It's called Mays Island and is one of the only island government centers, and I think the only one in the Western Hemisphere. That
0: is very cool.
1: Yes, the courthouse has moved to a new building and the jail as well, but the buildings that were originally those things are still on the island. We have some celebrities that you might have heard of from this area, like Ashton Kutcher Ron Livingston, and Elijah Wood. Oh, wow. And for those of you that are older than 60, probably remember Don DeFore from the TV show Hazel, and Fran Allison, the puppeteer from Kukla, Fran, and Ollie, wasn't from here, but she worked in Cedar Rapids, and she is buried here in Cedar Rapids next to her mother at Linwood Cemetery. Ah, That's nice. I can tell you about the history of of the building we are in, which is a a wonderful building. Yeah,
0: it's magnificent. Um, Very, very nice.
1: Yes. The Society does business as the Cedar Rapids Area Genealogy Library. And we rent space in the lower level of this beautiful Masonic library, which came to Cedar Rapids in 1884, And this beautiful marble structure that you see in the picture was actually opened in 1955. This library is one of the world's most complete collections of Masonic and general interest books, as well as two museums and special collections and archives. And it's regarded as one of the best places in the world to do Masonic research. And they do have visitors from all over the world. So we feel fortunate to be located in their building. And although we don't do any sharing of materials and resources, we do have visitors to our area that want to visit upstairs. And then also the visitors that come to the Masonic Library are encouraged to come down and visit us as well. So we get both.
0: Very nice. Yeah, the building is absolutely beautiful. For those listeners who want to look at something incredibly beautiful Go to Cedar Rapids on Google and look at the Masonic Library. Uh, I think it's on, is it on First Avenue?
1: It's on First Avenue. Yep. First Avenue is kind of the main drag through town. It's the Business Highway 151, and it's beautiful.
0: Yeah, it's, it's got a beautiful like place. stone lions in front and mm-hmm. carving, and it's just a gorgeous thing. Stained glass windows. Very yes. nice. Can you please provide us with an overview of the communities you serve in Lynn County? Since you're a county genealogical society, you must have a lot of cities in the county, and you have a mission, you have some history. Can you provide us an overview of that?
1: Oh, yes, I'd be happy to. We, in Linn County, have 16 incorporated towns and about 43 other populated places in the county. Cedar Rapids is the second largest city in the state of Iowa, but we encompass kind of a metro area. You know, as the city has grown, we've grown into two other towns. So the current metro area population is over 177,000. We have 83% rural in the county and 17% of the county is urban. It's mostly rural. And of course, when the county was formed, farming was huge. Most of the land purchased here was purchased for farming. And that continues, although it's declining. We have three colleges and one university in the county. We have a wonderful heritage in this area. Cedar Rapids has the National Czech and Slovak Museum and Library oh. that was established in 1974 in the new building dedicated in 1995, and President Bill Clinton came to open it. We have a huge Czech community in the area. They came in the 1870s and established a Czech school. It's one of the continuously operating ethnic schools in the country to make sure that future generations of Czech people would know their heritage and not lose their history. The immigrants who came here left a huge impact. There's two almost completely different cities on either sides of the river. One is called Czech Village and the other side of the river it's called New Bohemia. So and they both have a rich history and they've carried that on through the restaurants and their entertainment and shops and the museum is located right in Czech Village, so it's a really popular tourist place, and the museum is just fabulous. We have the Czech National Cemetery also in Cedar Rapids. We've had a good percentage of African Americans come to this area, and we have the African American Museum of Iowa here in Cedar Rapids, founded in 1993 with a mission to preserve, exhibit, and teach the African American heritage of Iowa.
0: Nice.
1: We have um, a big Muslim community. By the 1920s, Cedar Rapids had a full-scale Arab Muslim community with over 50 shops and grocery stores. Wow. We have the Mother Mosque of America here in Cedar Rapids. It is the first and oldest surviving mosque in the country and serves as a resource center for information about Islam and the history of Muslims in America. And we have a Muslim National Cemetery as well. We have a large amount of Lebanese immigrants, Irish immigrants, Mexican immigrants. We have in Cedar Rapids, seven National Historic Districts. And for Lynn County, I'll just mention we're on the National Register of Historic Places with six bridges, four buildings, and the archaeology of Wickiup Hill Natural Area. We also are known for being the home of Grant Wood, of American Gothic fame, the artist. He was born in a neighboring county, but he moved to Lynn County as a young boy. And as a young person, he taught school in three of our schools in Lynn County, and one was a one-room schoolhouse. So in our resources in the genealogy library, we have a photograph of Grant Wood and his students at the one-room schoolhouse where he taught.
0: Boy, you've got a little bit of everything. If I'm a person of Czech heritage and I Mm want to research my family, do I do it through the Genealogical Society of Lynn County or do you send me over to the Czech Museum?
1: I would send you to both. The Czech Museum does have a library. They have many things there and they will oftentimes send people to us as well because we have a lot of the records the early records especially the cemetery records that we have that they don't so I would say both places definitely
0: and do you specialize in any of those records for those heritage groups
1: I would say probably we have the most Czech records simply because of the just the amount of Czech immigrants we had in the area why did they come to Cedar
0: Rapids did they come because the meat
1: the meat packing plant. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, jobs, job, definitely jobs. We okay. had a large meat packing plant. T.M. Sinclair was the plant and that drew many of them.
0: Now, what's your background? How did you come to do what you do now?
1: I was fascinated by family history after interviewing a great aunt of mine when I was in college and she sat down with me and just told the oral history of my father's family that I'd never heard before, and I was hooked. My parents gave me a book to fill out with my family tree as much as I knew, and I was just dedicated to finding as much as I could. I already had my mother's, my maternal side was already taken care of and already researched, but very little on my paternal side, my father's side. So Mm. I became dedicated to doing that, and when I did some research at the Genealogical Society here in Lynn County in Cedar Rapids, I was just blown away by the amount of information in this space. Just, I could not believe it. And I went right home and told my husband that when I retire from teaching, I'm going to work down at this library. And that's exactly what I did. I retired in 2015, and I went right down there to become a volunteer and have been there ever since.
0: That's fantastic. What a nice story.
1: So for the Society, what's the mission of the Society? Our mission is to preserve Lynn County records through the kinds of records that cemeteries, funeral homes, churches, schools, courthouses, documents, maps, and family histories. We maintain the library, the genealogy library, and our most important goal is to promote an interest in genealogy. We were organized just with 16 people under the name of the Lynn County Heritage Society in 1965. So we've been around a while. Yeah. Our first space was in within the Cedar Rapids Public Library and then we were offered a very small space within the Lynn County Historical Society building, but we moved to the location we're in now at that lower level of the Masonic Library in the fall of 1998. So we've had lots of space to fill with records and materials. And they've also offered a storage space for things that we don't have room for in the library.
0: Wow, I just want to fly out there and visit. It's, it's oh. just, it sounds so wonderful. So what's coming up on the horizon for your society in 2022? I know we've been through a couple of bumpy years with COVID and all that, but hopefully we're leveling out. What's on the horizon for you guys?
1: Yes, well, we were gifted, thankfully, by the county The county government has been very generous with records that they no longer can keep and that they've donated to us. And one of those was the voter registration cards that included canceled registration cards prior to and including 1966. Nice. Over 70,000 of them. So, our goal has been to digitize those cards, but it's been a very tedious process because the cards are several different sizes and they're stapled together. You know for the different times the people moved and got a different card so we've had volunteers over the last four or five years taking out staples ranging the cards the right size and then someone else scans the cards and then other volunteers index the names on the cards so we have a database that includes all the names all those voter registrations and a picture of the voter registration card itself that people can come into the library and access that card and make copies of it. So oh, very cool. That's a wonderful thing. And that's um, a big that's, job. Oh, it's, it's huge. It takes a lot of people. We've also been working on a World War I project where we're making a book that includes the names and the biographies of all soldiers who fought in world war one or were a part of world war one and they don't have to have been from lynn county we're just taking everybody that we can get so your your ancestors that fought in world war one can be in this book we don't want to forget these people
0: you mean across the and, united states
1: or just yes oh wow whatever we we can get you know we have a form that people can fill out and send in with a picture and information and then we have people who specifically take that information and do research on that person so that we can get a complete biography and and a source uh, for information. When that is finished, we're going to begin World War II. Oh,
0: nice. So, <laughs> nice. Huge job.
1: Another project that we've started, which is pretty difficult, is we're updating, scanning, and digitizing the records for the Czech National Cemetery oh. that are written in Czech. So so we have some people that are working very hard on so we can have that included in our database And we also were donated from the county, the court record books, those huge, big, heavy books that are very hard to get into. So we're scanning and digitizing those as well. And then continually, one of our big projects is to update the cemetery records. We keep cemetery records in our genealogy library here in Cedar Rapids for all the cemeteries in Lynn County. And there were a hundred of them at one time. So we're making a comprehensive guide to the location of all those 100 past and present cemeteries, how to get to them, who to contact, to see them, and to have that stay in our library as a resource for people who are doing research. And we, we have all the cemetery records that we continually update. So every summer, we try to do four or five cemeteries so we can just keep them current in oh, yeah. our library for people. And then always our goal is to increase our visibility to the public. You know, we're located in a basement of a beautiful building, but we're not allowed to put signage in front
2: oh, yeah. of the
1: Masonic Library. We do have a sign in the back of the library off the alley, and that is how you get to our part in the in the lower level is through an alley in back, and there is a parking lot. And so there's one sign. So if people don't know we're there, it's a little tricky to see us and see but yes, we are down here. So I'm
0: glad you mentioned that. So if somebody comes to First Avenue, they have to go down an alley and park in the yes. back of the building to go in the door that gets to
1: you. Yes, okay. exactly. Okay. So another advantage is we are located near the Lynn County History Center, and they have a parking lot that's just the other side of the alley from where we are located. Okay. So people can park in that parking lot. And we're also in the medical district of Cedar Rapids between two large hospitals and a large medical center. And the medical center has a park aid, which is free, that also is very close to our entrance. So people, there's a lot of options for parking and getting in to see us.
0: I was reading that you were designated as a family search center.
1: Yes, we were in 2020, nice. which is an awesome, awesome thing. We try to make sure people know that when they come into our library research center, they can access records on family search that otherwise they would not be able to access.
0: Yeah, that's a big deal.
1: Yes, we are very, very happy about that. I also want to make sure that people know that all of our volunteers are donating their time in all these different jobs in in leadership and operational and collection and outreach and promotional and support services. We have no paid staff the entire time we've been in existence. It's all been by volunteers, wow. and we're not supported by any government grants or city grants at all.
0: That's fantastic. What a great group of people, huh? Yes. Nice.
1: And we have a logo. We have a logo now. It's called Family Trees, Family Stories, Family Matters.
0: Yeah, it's too bad you can't put up more signage.
1: Well, we're just happy that we have some visibility as far as people coming to the Lynn County History Center, as well as the Masonic Library, because they're going to see us if they go to those two places, too. So we're kind of a... A, a nice little area of history in Cedar Rapids.
0: No kidding. That's really nice. Now, you've been around since 1965, and all that time, you must have come across some interesting research you have any of those to share?
1: I do. I do. They're interesting. Cool. Frequently, we have researchers come to our library from other museums. And at one point, we had a person from the African American Museum of Iowa pointed out to us that one of the records contained in one of our old court record books was quite valuable. Turns out that that record was a manumission paper and if you don't know what a manumission paper is, it's a granting of freedom to a slave from oh. a slave owner and was one of the main avenues available for a slave to obtain their freedom. This manumission paper was signed by a Paddock and Rachel Cheadle on August 17, 1857, giving 29-year-old Catherine Griffin her freedom from slavery and was filed in the court document on August 25th, 1857
0: in Linn County, Iowa. Very yes. nice. Manumission. I hadn't heard that term before.
1: And it yes, it's spelled just like it sounds. M A N U M I S S I O N. Nice. Another story is from one of our researchers who was contacted in 2015 by a Mr. Robbie Prinson in the Netherlands who had contacted our library researchers to help him track down the descendants of a World War II soldier that was buried at the Henri Chapelle American Cemetery, which is on the border of the Netherlands and Belgium. Okay. This Mr. Prinson happened to be the caretaker for a grave of a PFC Robert A. Hasley, who was born and raised in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Robert Hasley died of his wounds on January 15th, 1945. In caring for the grave, Robbie Princeton wanted to know about the lives of the soldiers of the graves he was caring for. So he contacted us to find out about Robert Hasley in Cedar Rapids. Our researcher was able to access his obituary and track down the names of his parents and his siblings Wow. and located the daughter of his sister in Colorado. So we connected Mr. Prinzen and the daughter in Colorado. Very cool. So now Mr. Prinzen has photos and the background information on the soldier whose grave he cares for. And our researcher who did this for him was very pleased to have had a small part in bringing PFC Robert A. Hasley to life.
0: Yeah, no kidding. That's really nice.
1: Yes. And then one other story, if there's time. Oh, yeah. Um, in 2008, a movie directed by Clint Eastwood and starring Anjali Jolie called Changeling tells the story of Walter Collins, a nine-year-old boy from Los Angeles who went missing one day in 1928, and a boy found in Decalb, Illinois, that claimed to be the missing boy, Walter. <laughs> But come to find out, he was actually Arthur Hutchins, Jr. from Marion, Iowa. <laughs> he was sent to Los Angeles to be reunited with his mother, but his mother was not convinced, of course, that this boy was actually her son, Walter. But the police kept insisting to her that he was indeed her son and she was even put in a psychiatric hospital because oh, no. she kept telling them, no, he's not her son. He even fooled the friends and the pets. But the mother finally produced dental records and proved to the police that this boy was indeed an imposter and not her son, Walter.
0: Thank God she had those.
1: Yeah, So People Magazine in in connection with the release of the movie in 2008, contacted our library for information on the Arthur Hutchins, the boy who was uh, deceiving the, the mother. And we were able to find him in the 1930 census as an inmate in the Iowa Training School for Boys. Oh,
2: my.
1: Because when his deception was discovered... He was sent back to Iowa, and his father immediately put him in this training school for boys. As an adult, he worked in carnivals, and he worked his way back to California, where he worked as a horse trainer and a jockey. And he married and had a daughter and died in 1954. And the daughter said that he was just an adventurer, but our library was able to help fill in the gaps in that story about Arthur Hutchins from Marion, Iowa,
0: and, and that's why he did it. He just did it on a lark? he
1: he he was upset with his stepmother. Oh. His, his mother had died. His father had remarried. The stepmother was probably trying to reprimand him, and he didn't like it, so he ran away and he ran got to Bealb, Illinois somehow, and somebody saw him, and the police knew that there was a missing boy. Oh about the same age, same physical description, and the police asked him, are you Walter Collins? And he said, sure. (laughs) (laughs) He he wanted to go to California anyway, so he had it made for a while.
0: (laughs) Boy, we live and learn, huh? (laughs) Yes. Well, it's time for our first break for a few minutes. Listeners, remember you can email us anytime at preservationoaks at gmail.com. Preservation Oaks is available for listeners on nearly all podcast platforms, Facebook and YouTube. So stay tuned and we'll be right back after some important messages.
3: Hey everyone, we'll be right back to Preservation Oaks with Sean Thomas Radcliffe after these important messages. Explore your family history in Linn County, Iowa, at the Linn County Genealogical Society, nestled in the heart of Cedar Rapids. Bring your records and your family tree, and come on down to the leading resource for Linn County genealogists and family historians. You'll get the help you need and learn about why the Linn County Genealogical Society loves Linn County and Iowa genealogy. For hours, admissions, membership, and volunteer opportunities, visit them at Jen, SOC, Lin, IA, dot, Weebly, dot com. Have fun and make progress.
4: How much excitement can you fit into a program? Preservation Oaks is full of possibilities. And with plenty of value and unique information, you can feel good about supporting your favorite society. Preservation Oaks has a wide range of guests. So, pack your mind with your history. Thank you for listening to Preservation Oaks. <laughs> cookies. <whistles>
1: patty paper, you're a famous
3: man. Well, all I do is bake them just as good as it can. What did you seek for Mr. Patty cake, man? I sample them, ladies, one from each pan. Children's not shoving.
4: There's more
3: in the oven. <whistles> hey, Mom! Put patty cake cookies on your shopping list.
1: Oatmeal, chocolate chip,
3: and
4: sugar
1: hooker, miss. I'm seeing varieties
3: on your market shelf. Why, they're so good, you're lucky, I don't eat them all myself. Patty
1: cake cookies. <whistles> Well
3: you sell the fake package, you can see what you buy. What
1: makes the taste so good. Daddy, baby babe? Well
3: to tell the truth, I sample them two from each pan. This is Emily Faves, Executive Director of the Beltrami County Historical Society in Bemidji, Minnesota, and I love listening to Sean Thomas-Ridecliffe on MicroStream Radio. You're listening to Preservation Oaks, where we celebrate the great work of historical and genealogical societies and give you the information you need to get involved and have fun doing it.
0: Thank you for listening to Preservation Oaks. If you're a member of a museum,
4: historical or genealogical society that has not yet been featured as a guest on our program, please let them know to contact preservationoaks at gmail.com. And now,
3: back to Preservation Oaks.
0: Welcome back to Preservation Oaks. I'm your host, Sean Thomas Radcliffe, and we're here today with Ruth Armstrong, the Vice President of the Genealogical Society of Linn County, Iowa, located in Cedar Rapids. For this segment, we'll chat about the Society's role in the community, what kinds of outreach, events, education the Society maintains for the public and their members. Welcome back, Ruth. Thanks. Glad to be back. I want to pick up where we left off. We were talking about this this boy who fooled the police for a little while. But I want to move on to any exhibits that the Genealogical Society might have. Do you have exhibits in the basement there?
1: Yes, we do. Grant Wood is our most famous person from the area, and so we have in the hallway between our two main rooms, we have a permanent display that is a timeline of Grant Wood's life with pictures and maps of the various places he lived in Lynn County. And in our library, we have materials for him, including The drawings that he made in his high school yearbook, you know how the different sections of a yearbook have like a cover page for each section? Well, Grant Wood had made the illustrations for the book. And we also have photos of him with his students when he taught in the one-room schoolhouse at Rosedale School. Another semi-permanent display we have, only because it's quite large and it's hard to move, is we have uh, large pictures and materials from a company called Hubbard Ice. And in the early 1900s, when ice was harvested from the river to place in people's homes, this was quite a big operation, and they were called the Men of Ice. So there's very large, large photographs of the men harvesting the ice. Nice. And that stays up. We also have quite a lot of wall space in the library room. So we have historical pictures of Cedar Rapids. We have several town maps on the wall that stay up. We have rotating exhibits for the different months. Like, for instance, we this month we have... Irish heritage, researcher Irish heritage. Last month we had exhibits about black history and well-known black African-Americans that lived in Cedar Rapids and worked in Cedar Rapids. We'll have a German exhibit, we'll have a Czech exhibit various things that rotate on a monthly basis, but everything that we have stays in our library and stays in our our location. We do not lend anything out to anyone else. We want to make sure that people that come to do research at our library have access all the time to everything that we have so that we don't have to worry about saying, oh, and we don't have this because we've lent it to somebody else. Um, It's always here.
0: What kind of funding model supports the Society? What are your funding goals for 2022?
1: We are supported entirely, 100% through our membership dues and monetary donations and donations of genealogical materials. We charge money for research. If you're out of state or out of the country, we can do research for you. If you are a member of the Society, research is $10 an hour. If you're a non-member of the society, it's $15 per hour of research. We think that's very reasonable. That's very reasonable. We also have many memorial funds for members who have passed that they've arranged for in their obituary or in their will that donations in their memory be made to us. So that's a big part of it. We also rely on a couple of grants. The Lynn County Historical Preservation Grant is a big one. The Lynn County supervisors every year give a percentage of their budget to this grant, and it is spread out throughout the county. It's a very wonderful grant. We've received many things from it. It's to go towards specific items. So we've purchased equipment, computers, scanning equipment, various things like that through that grant. We also get a yearly grant from a printing company, Allegra Printing, here in town. They print our brochures. And banners and any other thing we need printed, they will do for us. That's a nice sum of money that we can use for that every year. We don't have any corporate or government funding at all. And as I said earlier, our entire staff is volunteer. In the leadership roles, we have an executive board, we have committees, and then, of course, we have the volunteers that staff the library five days a week when we're open Tuesday through Saturday from 10 until 4 o'clock. And there's always someone here to help anybody that comes in do research.
0: Very nice. Now, are you doing any fundraising activities? We
1: do, yes. I want to make sure that our our goal, of course, is to keep our doors open. We do have to pay monthly bills, just like anyone else that rents. We have right. rent, we have phone, we have our copy machine contracts that cost money every year on a yearly basis. So we do want to keep afloat, and we also want to maintain our nonprofit status. So our fundraising activities, well, we are a part of Amazon Smile, so they will occasionally put up a campaign, so we'll put that on our Facebook page Well, you know, before Christmas and times like that. Amazon will donate a portion of what you purchase to our society. We also sell t-shirts with our logo, the Family Trees, Family Stories, Family Matters, and a nice picture of a tree, very nice t-shirt. We also sell genealogy forms. Like pedigree charts, family group cheat, uh, for a, a minimum cost. They're nicer than just copying something off the internet. We also sell township and cemetery maps, so people who want to come in and purchase a map can do so. We'll also sell duplicate copies of the library books, like city directories. We have lots of city directories going back to the 1800s. We sell those duplicate copies for $10, and we also have many, many books that have been donated that we had already had copies for, or our library committee has decided we don't need to keep those particular items in the library so we will sell those and a list of those books that we have for sale and those other papers are on our website so people can access that list of the books we want to sell on our website and contact us if they want to purchase one Very cool And when the weather is nice which is it is not here in Iowa today <laughs> when the weather is nice we'll have a combination book and bake sale in the parking lot we'll do that to kind of draw some people and, of course, membership, we do encourage people to become a member. And we also have a fall road trip where we decide there's a certain historical museum or archives in another town, and we will ask people to sign up and pay a price, and we'll carpool, we'll go eat lunch somewhere, we'll go visit the museum or whatever, and then we make enough money to make a donation to the facility that we visit and still have money to make as a profit. So we do that once a year.
0: Your membership is not pricey. Your membership is a good bargain.
1: We think so. For a yearly membership for $20, it's well worth it. If you're in the area to take advantage of the things we do here, and it's well worth it if you're far away, but your ancestors were from this area, just to keep in touch and keep up on any new records that might become available and to make your family tree as complete as possible for the Absolutely. future.
0: Always, always support your local society, especially if your family was from that area.
1: Yes, I do that. I do that for both of my parents and both of the places they were from. Same thing here. I do that.
0: Do you guys do any specialized certificates or anything like that?
1: Yes, we do. We issue Pioneer certificates for $10 each. You get a nice little certificate that's worthy of framing. And it's issued to people who are directly descended from Linn County pioneers. So we want to recognize families with Linn County, Iowa roots and encourage people to take on genealogical research. And the more research other people do, the more resources we have in our library. So we're always encouraging that. If your ancestor came to Linn County by 1850, you get a gold certificate, but if it's more than 100 years prior to the date of your application, it's a silver certificate. It's just $10. Oh,
0: that's very nice. Wow, you guys, you could get a nice gold, silver certificate to hang on your wall in honor of your ancestry.
1: Of course we take donations always. We don't ask for them. When people sign in to do research in the library, there is a place for them to put a donation into. And when we do our outreach talks, which I'll talk about in a second, we will not ask for a fee, and we don't even ask for a donation, but oftentimes we get a donation.
0: Now, COVID-19 has been bumpy, like I mentioned before. How did it affect your society?
1: Well, we closed, of course, closed our doors in the spring of 2020, like everyone else did. But by July, we decided that we could resume our board meetings and committee meetings and our monthly work days. We, we have a workday every Monday of the month for volunteers to come in and do various jobs. So we did that in the summer, that summer, and we also decided to open on Saturday, starting in that summer of 2020. And then if someone really needed to come in during the week, they could call and make an appointment and one of our volunteers would meet them and open the library and help them if they needed. We still could do the research for people away from the library because that's through email and we still took phone calls. We have an answering machine So that's very helpful and in September of 2020 that year we decided that we could still do our meetings on zoom thanks to the zoom platform a lot of things became possible and we started with a virtual tour of the library so I gave the tour and one of our other volunteers pushed the computer around on the cart as I went through all the aisles and explained what we have in the library
0: it's a great idea
1: And then after that, we continued our Zoom meetings, which was wonderful because it allowed us to reach the people that live far away, the members that have maybe hardly ever been to our library. And it also allowed us to have speakers that lived far away. I mean, we had one speaker who lives on the East Coast in Boston, and that was a wonderful thing to happen. And then in May of 2021, we reopened our regular hours, which was Tuesday through Saturday from 10 to 4. So we're doing good starting in the spring of 2021. And then just this past January of 2022, we decided to have our in-house programs, our monthly programs combined with Zoom. So the people that we we got during that year from other places would still be allowed to see our programs. But at the same time, people who wanted to come in person and see that speaker could do as well. So that was that's kind of a nice combination.
0: That's really and of course,
1: nice. our volunteers, that work from home, which many of them do, they come to the library and get the books that they're going to index and take the spreadsheet on a flash drive that they've saved, and then they can do the work at home, the typing. It's a lot of typing to index these books, obituary books and scrapbooks and other types of records that you just have to sit down and read it and type it into a spreadsheet so you can get on the database. I don't know if you've heard about the derecho. No. No. The derecho we had in August of 2020 that spread across eastern Nebraska and right through the middle of Iowa and into Illinois and Ohio, as far as Ohio, I think, was it was at its worst in Cedar Rapids. Well, wait, So, what's, what's a derecho? A derecho is a sustained... Straight-line wind sustained for a long period of time. And what this period of time was, just imagine a straight-line wind, which is a horizontal, heavy, like 130 miles per hour. It was over 100, I know. 100 miles per hour straight-line wind that was sustained for 40 minutes.
0: Well, that's probably not good. That's like a tornado. uh,
1: Yeah, the city of Cedar Rapids lost... 70% 70% of its tree canopy.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: So it was a huge, huge thing.
0: Have <laughs> Lots those ever happened
1: before in history? No, never. In fact, the people in, in Cedar Rapids and in Iowa, nobody'd ever heard of a derecho. Yeah. It was just a whole new term, but we'd all lived through it, so we sure know what it is now. And the Masonic building that we have our library rented from, just a very minor damage Goodness. for our library part, there are windows and there was a little bit of leakage, you know, rainwater. It rained terribly, terrible rain in the windows and one of the big pine trees outside was down. But other than that, the only thing that it affected us for the society was that we couldn't do the work of our cemetery record updating because the cemeteries were just a mess. You know, most cemeteries are full of trees and many of them you couldn't even get into them because of the tree damage. So we had to curtail that activity for that rest of the summer there.
0: Are they replanting all the trees?
1: They are attempting to. The city of Cedar Rapids is, yes. Good. It's taking a long time for cleanup. There are large areas, wooded areas within the city that the trees are just down. They're down on the ground. It's just people haven't had time to go in there and, and clean up. But the parks and the trails and the cemeteries by now have mostly been cleaned up
0: that you guys are going to have a lot of firewood.
1: Yes, but it takes a long time to dry wet firewood.
0: <laughs> oh, that's true too. Now, do you guys have a a county fair and do you, do you do outreach and education? Does the society do that?
1: Yes, we do. We do, not nearly as much as we'd like, but yes, we do. During the pandemic, presentations that I would normally give or that we would give, the volunteers would give out in the community, in retirement homes and for social clubs and groups, we used to do those in person and I offered those on Zoom. I did one presentation at a retirement home on Zoom, but now I'm resuming those talks in house. We do several of those. I've done to just social clubs, meetings. We did a very interesting one at a family reunion. We were invited to come and present to the all the families that were there at their reunion, a history of their family. Oh neat. And it include you know the people there were families so there were children and the man who organized the reunion said he wanted the younger people to understand the importance of genealogy and to hear the stories of their ancestors so we knew ahead of time so we could do the research on their family they obviously had quite a bit already but we piggybacked on top of that and we also educated the younger children like when we told the story of the immigrants who came across on a ship from their country you know what do you imagine that life was like on the ship and trying to put their history in a real personal way for them to understand so that was interesting and I hope the word can get out that we can do more things like that because I think that would be fun
0: that is not only fun but it's just so interesting that would be great for anybody to to attend not only the family.
1: Yes, we also have a group called the Genealogy Junkies that meet every Wednesday morning. In previous years they met at the Marion Public Library, but the Marion Public Library is rebuilding, so they're in the midst of a mess and we decided that we would continue the genealogy junkies group to meet every Wednesday morning in our library workroom. So they come on Wednesday mornings and it's open to anybody that wants to do genealogy things with each other and help each other out. Our biggest thing of course is our monthly programs. We do a program every month. We feature experts. We've had German, Norwegian, adoptions, uh, DNA, land record, people who really know know these things. We've also had authors, an author that's written The History of Prohibition, an author about um, orphan train, POW camps in Iowa. Yeah, it doesn't have to be just about Lynn County, it can be any, any subject that people would want to hear about in, sure. in their genealogical research. And then once a year we do members who have a fascinating ancestor story to share. Nice. We do that usually in November. And that can get really interesting, too, because people do their own research and find some really interesting stories from their ancestors. And people's stories, there was so much female mortality in childbirth and just with diseases and things. So people had multiple families with different parents and people spread out quite different than what it is today. Coming up for 2022, we did a program in January about naturalizations and learned out about how to find naturalization records, where to look and how to read them, which was very interesting. And that was from a speaker from the Des Moines area. We had a speaker who's written a book about Chief Black Hawk, who was quite infamous I try to do the whole year in one shot, but it's a little hard to do. Yeah,
0: well, authors have schedules, and you have to coordinate all of that stuff. So, yeah, it'll fill in as the year progresses. But all of that, that whole list is available on your website, right?
1: Yes, yes. You can download the list of the monthly programs on our website. What kind of
0: work do you do with school children?
1: We have had a class, a high school class from a local high school, come to do a little research for a project that their teacher wanted them to do. They were most interested in the yearbooks we have because they all wanted to look up their parents (laughs) in the yearbooks. We help school children who do class assignments in at least two of the school districts in the area. They require the students to create a family tree. Uh, One is from a biology class, I know, and so we will help them, assist them do that. Do you publish a newsletter at the Society? We do. We publish a quarterly newsletter called the Lynn County Heritage Hunters, which includes information about what's happening, a nice letter from our president, a full list of what has been added to the library. We're always adding new new materials to the library and our librarian creates a list that we always put in that newsletter and asking for volunteers and asking people to remember that when they downsize, if they're moving from a home to a retirement setting, don't throw away any genealogical materials. A lot of people, their children don't wish to have them. We will take them. A good part of our library is family histories and we want to encourage people to do that before throwing them away. We've had volunteers. Uh, we had a particular volunteer that was helping a friend clean out a house, not of somebody that they knew. Okay. They were cleaning out the house of some people who had passed away, and the children of the people who had passed away were just putting things out in the yard, in the driveway, and this friend noticed that they were genealogical books and binders of of family history. And the volunteer said, what are you going to do with these? And the family said, we're going to throw them away. And she said, no, you're not. And she took them into her car and brought them right down to us. So she, she saved the day there.
0: Yeah, no kidding. What kinds of records or historical artifacts do you maintain for research? I know there's all the county stuff, but obviously you've been in business since 1965. There's probably a lot more.
1: Yes, and we are fortunate that we have some one-of-a-kind and original documents that the county has been generous in offering and that we have just collected over the these 55 plus years. The one of a kind and original things are funeral home records. We have the funeral mm-hmm. home record books from every funeral home that was in the county. Over half of them are, are long since closed and they go back to, you know, the mid 1800s. The canceled voter registration cards from the years prior to and including 1966 that I mentioned earlier. That's a one of a kind record. The court document books, we also have naturalization records that are one of a kind, and the records from the county home, which was the Lynn County home, which was a place for indigent and disabled people to live out their lives. We have the birth record from July of 1921 to July of 1970 in our library. We also have the death records from, and this is for the city of Cedar Rapids, not not in Linn County, but the birth and deaths are for the city of Cedar Rapids. The death records are from June 1894 to June 1970. We have funeral service cards, which are quite valuable because oftentimes you didn't have an obituary in the newspaper. But during the service, there'd be a little card issued to the people who came to the service. So we have quite a collection of those. And then we have scrapbooks. Oh, wonderful scrapbooks that have been donated. And we've had volunteers that have indexed every one of those scrapbooks. So you can look for a name in the index and know right which scrapbook and which page to go to. And of course the family genealogies. We have over a thousand family genealogy books on our shelves as well as vertical files in the file cabinets of just family trees that we keep. So any Bible records, those are one of a kind things. Oh yeah. Other records that we have on our shelves we have books of all the Lynn County town histories. We have newspaper clippings, city directories, county histories, marriage records, divorce records, cemeteries, of course, the farm plat books. Yearbooks, military books, atlases, map schools, and churches, uh, over 15,000 books and periodicals from other states. We have the DAR lineage books, that's the Daughters of the American Revolution. We have the Mayflower books, and we have books from Canada, England, Ireland, Scotland, Germany, Czechoslovakia. We have passenger list books and immigrant list books, and that's just what's in the library shelves. We also have microfilm. <laughs> Lots of microfilm. And we had a flood in Cedar Rapids in 2008, which took a lot of the records from the county county courthouse and also from the public library. But we had those records already on microfilm. So we are very, very fortunate for that.
0: I hope that doesn't happen again.
1: We do, too. At this moment, there's finishing uh, flood walls in the downtown area.
0: Oh, good. Well, Ruth and listeners, it's time for a short break for a few minutes. Remember, you can email us anytime at preservationoaks at gmail.com, and we'll be right back after these important messages.
3: We'll be right back to Preservation Oaks with Sean Thomas Radcliffe.
4: Where can you research hundreds of years of your family in a single day? At the Lynn County Genealogical Society located in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. You'll find a wide range of records and family lineage information at the Lynn County Genealogical Society. The society works hard to help family historians and genealogists. They bring together people interested in genealogy, hold educational events, seminars, and workshops. Learn more about their hours, admissions, membership and volunteer opportunities by visiting jensoclincoia.weebly.com. Thank you!
2: Oh say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming? Whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight over the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming? And the rocket's red glare the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Oh say, does that star-spangled banner yet wave over the land of the free and the home of the brave? On the shore dimly seen through the mists of the deep, where the foe's haughty host in dread silence reposes, what is that which the breeze over the towering steep, as it fitfully blows, half conceals, half discloses? Now it catches the gleam of the morning's first beam, in full glory reflected now shines in the stream. It's the star-spangled banner. O long may it wave, over the land of the free and the home of the brave. And where is that band who so vauntingly swore that the havoc of war and the battle's confusion... A home and a country should leave us no more, their blood has washed out their foul footsteps, pollution. No refuge could save those who prayed to be saved from the terror of flight or the gloom of the grave. And the star-spangled banner in triumph doth wave over the land of the free and the home of the brave. O thus be it ever, when free men shall stand between their loved home and war's desolation. Blessed with victory and peace, may the heaven-rescued land praise the power that hath made and preserved us a nation. Then conquer we must, when our cause it is just, and this be our motto, in God is our trust. And the star-spangled banner in triumph shall wave over the land of the free and the home of the brave.
3: This
1: is Christy Deitmeyer from the Dyersville Area Historical Society, and I love listening to Sean Thomas
3: Radcliffe on MicroStream Radio.
1: This is an alien from Planet Zang, and I listen to Sean Thomas Radcliffe and Preservation Oaks.
3: At Preservation Oaks, we love history. If you're a historical or genealogical society listening to Preservation Oaks and you'd like to be a guest on the program, please email preservationoaks at gmail.com. And now, back to Preservation Oaks.
0: Welcome back to Preservation Oaks. We are here today with Ruth Armstrong from the Genealogical Society of Linn County, Iowa, located in a beautiful building in Cedar Rapids. We've learned so much, Ruth. Thank you for the information you provided to our audience about your society. Really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much.
0: I want to talk about the community. How do you keep the community informed about the progress of the society in achieving its mission?
1: Well, in addition to our newsletter that we send to members and other societies. We do have a weekly publication sent to every household in the city of Cedar Rapids called, we call it the Penny Saver. It's probably called different things in different towns. But that comes out every week, once a week. And we make sure that every day of the week that we are open that we have a little blurb in there that says what we do, that we have no cost, we're free and open to anyone of any age and our hours. So every day that we are open, we have that in their calendar in that publication. There are also times when the daily Cedar Rapids Gazette, which is our main newspaper here in Cedar Rapids, will have a column titled Things to Do Today in the area. And very often they will include us. You know, come down and visit and do your family history search at the Genealogical Society of Lynn County. So that's something that we don't do. They the Gazette decides to put that in, which is very nice. When I when we have special events or our monthly programs, that information is sent to a few radio stations and our T V station event calendars, which is very nice.
0: That's fantastic.
1: We've had a human interest story published in the Cedar Rapids Gazette about one of our volunteers and her granddaughter doing family research. Also had a couple of times we've had a a little segment on the local TV news. We man a Lynn County Genealogical Society booth at some festivals and events in the area. There's always a yearly event in Czech Village called Hobie Days, and Hobies are mushroom. Hobie Days in Czech Village, there's a Brown Farm Pioneer Days in Central City, the Lynn County Fair in Central City, and the Cedar Rapids has a multicultural fair in the spring at the library. Every June, the Cedar Rapids Historical and Preservation Organization, has a showcase in the city, and we will usually invite people to come see us during that week. It's advertised. And then we march in the Swamp Fox Festival Parade (laughs) in Marion. Marion was named for the Swamp Fox General, General Marion, and they have a parade every fall. And of course, we maintain a Facebook page, try to do regular posts that would interest people. And promote our events on that Facebook page.
0: You really do have a great communication strategy. That is really nice. Now, we know the 1950 census is coming out. It's going to be released in April. Are you doing any kind of one of your monthly showcases on that topic?
1: We may. I've got a couple gaps in our monthly program schedule, and as soon as we find out more, we probably will.
0: What percentage of society records are searchable online?
1: On our server database, people can access names. We've got a database of surnames. We have 1,708,881 surnames in our database. So what happens is you come into the library, you're searching for a surname Smith. We will type that into the database and a page will pop up with every record that we have in the library that has that name. People can, right now on our database, we have digitized the birth records, the death records, the voter registration cards, the canceled voter registration cards, and obituaries. And we are pretty much up to date with obituaries up to present time. We we try to keep that pretty accurate. So names are added all the time to our oh, yeah. database. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, we have four computers in the main library that people can use. We also have four computers in our workroom and two laptops that, are, that would be manned by volunteers who are coming in to do indexing and, and typing, things like that. So the only thing online that somebody can access when they are not Actually, in our library research center, they can access those canceled voter registration cards, but only the index. If they are on the U.S. JanWeb, Iowa, Lynn County site, and also the Marion Public Library here in Lynn County has that index. So you can see who has a canceled voter registration card, but to see the actual card, you still need to come down to the library research center.
0: That's very cool. You're constantly digitizing and bringing us, the public, and your records into the 21st century.
1: Yes. We also have, as I mentioned before, the microfilm. We have four microfilm readers with printers. So when you find a record, you can immediately print it right there. And our microfilm records are extensive, um, births, death, marriage, land records, military records newspapers. We have newspapers digitized from all the towns in Linn County. We have the census records, federal state probate records, mortuary records, and and many more things on the microfilm.
0: So you can feel comfortable, Um, folks, going into the research library and you'll get help every step of the way.
1: Yes. We also have, I want to mention, we have a hovercam, which is a device that scans large documents. So there's a table and the hovercam that's over the table, so we can scan and digitize large oversized scrapbooks, the plat books that are usually in these large, large forms. Nice. and we will do that for people if they want it just to keep themselves. We will scan those materials and put it on a flash drive for a fee for someone of with of fifteen dollars per hour. okay to scan those large books.
0: Still, that would be beautiful. And we just have
1: a couple, two or three volunteers that are trained to, to operate this hover cam.
0: I've run across a couple of societies that have actually authored a guide for those requesting research services to assist them and it says step one, here's what you need to collect. Are you doing anything like that?
1: We do have two volunteers who do most of the research for people. So when someone contacts us through an email or a message. I'd like to have someone look into such and such a person. One of these two researchers will contact them and verbally tell them, you need to have this information and this information and where we go from here and how much it will cost and how we will get the information back to you, whether it's through the mail or electronically. And those volunteer researchers will do that explaining verbally.
0: Now. That brings up my favorite topic, which is volunteer opportunities. Most societies have incredible skilled volunteers. What opportunities do you have for members to volunteer?
1: We have lots of things. We have volunteers that are needed to index these materials. A lot of times it's obituaries, books, or scrapbooks, or someone has just collected newspaper clippings. We need someone to go through these items and underline every name. And then someone else looks at the document and types the underlined names into a spreadsheet on the computer. Oh, cool. Then someone else needs to proofread all of that information. And then finally, the indexes for each book are printed out and then they're placed inside the cover of every book we have. So that's a lot of people doing that. And many people who don't want to sit in our library all day and type will take a book like a book of obituaries. They will take them home and can do all that typing and save their work on a flash drive or thumb drive and then bring it back so people can work at home. I explained before about those canceled voter registration cards. They need to take out the staples and arrange them in, in a size. We've had a group of mentally disabled people that come every once in a while and those people can do those those tasks and they enjoy getting out and sitting and having lunch with us on our lunch break. And We have people that specialize maybe in repairing the materials that are in poor condition. We've had to remove the pages from old books and put them into archival sleeves and then into binders. Oh, yeah. People want to help us do an inventory. We just finished an inventory of the entire library this past year. That takes a lot of people.
0: Oh, a lot of time. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We
1: have a, a monthly volunteer work day, the first Monday of every month. Anyone can come in, and our capable, wonderful librarian will tell everybody, I need you to do this and this and this, and we just work all day that Monday, once a month. If that's all you want to give, that's a good time to come. We also, when the weather is decent, we walk and record the gravestones. We choose two or three or four cemeteries, depending on their size, every year to update those record books that we keep in the library. So we need volunteers to walk around with their clipboard and paper and and make sure everything on the stone is recorded on paper and corrections and new stones. You know, new stones are added all the time. And what I like about that is in our cars, I have made a sign that says who we are, and everybody puts that sign in their car window. So then when people are going through the cemetery and they see all of us with our clipboards walking around and they can see in oh, our yeah. cars what who we are, and then a lot of times they stop and ask, what are you doing? And and so that's a kind of another way of informing the public, and we've gotten actually volunteers that way who have seen us do that
0: that's very cool
1: and and have wanted to help
0: That's a great so that's idea. one
1: way one oh, of course, the library the library is open Tuesday through Saturday from ten to four, and we need volunteers that are always there to assist visitors that come in to do research so. There again, that's people. We need bodies that that are willing to be trained and are willing to help. Even in with the pandemic, we still had fewer, fewer visitors and a few, fewer volunteers. But we did have volunteers that in the year 2021, we had 5,614 and a quarter hours of time by volunteers in our library. So we are very happy about that.
0: Got some good volunteers. That's nice. I want to move on to the website. What kinds of things can I do on your website?
1: On our website, you can, first of all, see who we are. You can see where we're located on a map, the address, our days and hours of operation, where to look for information when we need to be closed for weather, which happens in the winter quite a bit. And that's usually the the name of the TV stations, the radio stations, and our Facebook page. If we're going to be closed, I always put that on Facebook. You can submit a form with your contact information so that you can be included on our email list. You can make a monetary donation through PayPal or a credit card. There's a link to our Facebook page. You can download a membership form. You can download the Pioneer Certificate forms and information. You can download a list of our monthly programs, and you can download the current list of books that are for sale. You can link to online genealogical sources like Ancestry and FamilySearch. You may read a list of our resources not every single thing but a good overview of what we have in the library for research. You can read the history of Lynn County. You can take the virtual tour of the library with me that I recorded in September of 2020. You can see pictures of several of the past speakers that we've had at our monthly programs and pictures of our volunteers. That's a good deal of of what's on the website. And links to the, the last bit we had on a TV news segment about us, you can link to that as well.
0: Listeners, it's very important that you establish a relationship with a society, the Lynn County Genealogical Society. If you want to make progress, don't just go on the website. But establish a relationship, and they will really help you. And just to give you the URL of the Society's website, it's gene, G-E-N-S-O-C-L-I-N-N-C-O-I-A dot Weebly, W-E-E-B-L-Y dot com. Or you can email the Society at gen, S-O-C-L-I-N-N-C-O-I-A at AOL dot com. Or you can just call them at 319-369-0022. You can drive down there to 813 1st Avenue, Southeast, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, 52406. And they're located on the lower level of the Masonic Library and Museum. There's free parking available in the rear parking lot, and you access that via the alley behind the building. Free parking is also available in the PCI Parkade. Enter at the back of the building and take the stairs to the lower level. There's handicap accessible accommodations available, and please call ahead so arrangements can be made. They also have a Facebook page, so look for the Genealogical Society of Lynn County, Iowa on Facebook. What's the easiest method for members of the public to donate to the society?
1: If you have a PayPal account, we do have that link on our website. Also, you may just write a check and send it in the mail to us on that address on the website. That's always welcome. Both of those would be very easy. If you want to donate materials like family genealogical materials and yearbooks, we're always looking for yearbooks, or any, anything that you think would be helpful to anyone researching their family history in Linn County, you can contact us by email to tell us what you have, what you would like to donate. And then our librarian will get back in touch with you and send you a donation form and and how to mail things to us. We have a post office box, but for boxes of books or donation of materials that you want to mail, they would have to come to our physical address.
0: Ruth, can you tell the audience about any current initiatives or needs of the society that you want people of your area to know about and support?
1: We currently... Use every volunteer who's working in the library on the days that we are open. If someone comes in and wants to do online research on ancestry.com, we have to use our individual accounts. If someone wants to search on familysearch.org, they would have to create an account to access those records. Okay. So, what we would love to have in our Genealogical Society of Lynn County is a donor who would provide a yearly library subscription to ancestry.com. It's quite expensive and it's a, you know, a yearly thing that would have to be paid for every year. We don't have enough money in our budget to have that subscription, but that would sure save our volunteers from having to log in with their account number to to assist visitors in their research in the library. So providing a yearly library subscription to Ancestry.com would be on our wish list.
0: If there's listeners out there that can help with that request, please do. Contact the Genealogical Society of Lynn County and help them with that. It'll help everybody, everybody that visits the library, it'll help. So Ruth, what are your thoughts about how best to keep the community support flourishing, especially for the current generations?
1: I would first of all say to anyone of any age that a firm knowledge of the past will definitely make a better future for all of us. For young people especially, they need to understand that not all information they want can be found online. There are records that will never be available online, never be digitized, that are kept in every genealogical and historical society in the country. And if you want to find information about your family history, you're going to need to go to these places and find these these valuable records. We want to make sure that they will always be available for Lynn County in our research library and want to make sure that people... No, they can come and get help from us. They need to understand that when they discover their ancestors' place and time, that history will become alive and be so much more meaningful and personal.
0: Thank you very much for that, Ruth.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Why is the Lynn County Genealogical Society different, or what makes you different or unique from other societies?
1: I would say the unique part of it is that we have remained a totally volunteer organization from the get-go, never any paid positions, and that we've never received any financial funding from the city or the county, unlike most libraries and museums in Lynn County who do receive the funding. So that is something unique. I would say also that we have the most complete collection of Lynn County records and materials anywhere on the planet, that we are always free, that we are accessible to everyone of any age, that we have very low fees to make copies. If you want a paper copy of something you find in our library, other than those birth, death, and voter registration records, it's 25 cents a page. The birth Death and voter registration record copies will be $3 if you're not a member of the society and $2 if you are. We are so dedicated with our volunteers who gather and preserve and digitize and index these records about the people of Lynn County, which otherwise they would be lost forever. And of course, we're a family search affiliate library, which is unique to many others. And we also have records that represent every county in the state of Iowa, not just Lynn County. And we have books or records from most states in the country.
0: So if I become a member, let's remind the listeners that membership is $20 a year. There's a $10 student membership. If you're interested in that, there's a $25 one-year family membership, or you can go for a life membership at $175. If you're 50 and older, 225 life membership for a family, $500 for a life patron family of any age, and that's very reasonable. What do I get with that, Ruth? What's the benefit of joining the Society?
1: Well, the benefits are that you would, of course, receive the Lynn County Heritage Hunters quarterly newsletter, which keeps you up to date on what's happening, gives you lists of resources that are new to the library, so we're always adding new things. You would get a discounted rate, of course, on research that are done by the Society Research, because you might decide that you're just not up to spending hours in a research library, and you're willing to pay an hourly rate for some of our experts to do it for you. And if you're a member, that's $10 an hour versus $15 an hour for a non-member. You are eligible to vote. We have society officers. We have a president and a vice president and a recording secretary and a corresponding secretary and a treasurer. Those are all our executive board officers that you can vote for or you can run to be one of those offices. You can contribute to our long-range planning for the society. We meet once a month and try to think of long-range of what we would like to accomplish. And you get the help and support and the friendship of fellow members and knowledgeable staff where you can learn research skills and get insider information from those who are experts. We have, for instance, we have a volunteer that worked her whole career in the city assessor's office. Um, you have opportunities to meet and collaborate with local and national genealogists and historians through our our monthly program. You get notification of state and local and even national events. We have groups that have conferences every year and seminars and other special things that are happening. You will know right away you can work one-on-one with one of our volunteers to work through a dead end you might have in your family tree. And you are able to help us network or you get network opportunities yourself by participating in our fundraising and special projects.
0: I suppose the best way to connect with somebody in the society is just to call or get on the Facebook page. Do you have Messenger on your Facebook page?
1: Yes, we do. Actually, uh, the best way would be through the email, because through an email, it can be forwarded, depending on what what you would like, can be forwarded to the different experts or the researchers or the librarian or whoever can get that message quickly. We do have a an answering machine on the telephone, so the same goes for that. If you call, someone will get your message that needs to.
0: Thank you for spending the time with us, Ruth. Is there any other information or message you'd like the community or members to know about?
1: Well, first of all, thank you, Sean, and Preservation Oaks for allowing me to speak on behalf of the Genealogical Society of Lynn County. I'm so privileged to be able to do this, and I want people to know that we at the Society have been entrusted to preserve the history of Lynn County. And if we remain open, we will ensure future generations access to their valuable family history.
0: Thank you for spending the time with us today. We are very lucky to have had you, and I've had a great time. I hope you have too. I'm really glad to meet you. It's just eye-opening when I work with professionals such as yourself to tell the story about the important records and helping researchers find and tell the stories of their families so thank you thank you and with that listeners we'll end our time with our guest ruth armstrong the vice president of the lynn county iowa genealogical society located in cedar rapids iowa please stay tuned for my comments and wrap up which is coming up next
3: we'll be right back to preservation oaks with sean thomas radcliffe after these important messages
1: This is Sandra Bingston, the president of the Fremont County Historical Society, and I listen to Sean Thomas Radcliffe and Preservation Oaks on Microstream Radio.
3: Hello. If you've been craving a sense of accomplishment and self-respect, then look no further than by helping yourself and your community by learning more about volunteering with the museums, historical, and genealogical societies in your area. It's important to find a source of information that keeps you up to date about these valuable societies. The right choice is a program that's done the research for you, and that's where Preservation Oaks comes in. Every episode presents you with an all-inclusive experience with one of our nation's museums, historical, and genealogical societies that we refer to as our Preservation Oaks. The wrong choice results in you just getting a short introduction to the organization and leaving you right where you started which is, not knowing enough to make that commitment to help yourself and your community by supporting a society. Listen to Preservation Oaks, providing a bi-weekly series of programs with a variety of museums, historical, and genealogical society guests. Rather than just giving you a too brief introduction to the society, we spend the time to have fun and give you the history and the stories behind the society, what valuable services they offer to their members and the public, how they provide value to the community, and most importantly, how you can get involved and help. On Preservation Oaks, you'll get all the information you need to accelerate and lock in your decision to volunteer, support, visit, and become a member. You'll be glad you did. Remember, you can always send us comments and suggestions to preservationoaks at gmail.com.
0: Hello and welcome back. What an unmatched professional you all have in Ruth Armstrong. During our time together, I grew to admire Ruth very much. She really knows her county, the people of the county, and how to help people find success with their family research. She understands that the society is accountable to preserve the valuable records of Lynn County, so they're always available for future generations and not lost forever. The Genealogical Society of Linn County is out there helping people and being visible to the people of the county all year round. They have an impressive communication approach and definitely a lot of value to add. What they can always use is community support, so please, support this Preservation Oaks Society with your time and money. I dearly admire and love the American quilt of culture and diversity in this country. Americans are all mutts. We come from an eclectic background of different heritages, religions, and cultures. And yet, we live and follow a common set of laws designed by our founders to restrict government intrusion and respect and protect the people's right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Lynn County and Cedar Rapids, the way Ruth described them, are shining examples of American exceptionalism and freedom that drew people of European, Arab, Muslim, Czechoslovakian, Lebanese, Irish, and Mexican heritage to the area. In Lynn County and Cedar Rapids, there's a National Czech and Slovak Museum and Library established in 1974 and a huge Czech community in the area. There's a Czech village and New Bohemia, each on a different side of the Cedar River, and a Czech National Cemetery in Lynn County. Cedar Rapids has an African-American Museum of Iowa. There's a large Arab-Muslim community with many diverse shops and grocery stores. The Mother Mosque of America is located in Cedar Rapids. It's the first and oldest mosque in the country. And finally, there's also a Muslim National Cemetery. Now that's a place I'd like to live, to visit, and to experience. Okay, now you need to know that the most pressing priority of the Genealogical Society of Linn County at this time is that the Society is seeking a donor to provide an Ancestry Library Edition subscription to use in order to allow patrons to perform research using Ancestry.com. If you're listening out there and you can help, please connect with the Society. A couple of important takeaways from my time with Ruth Armstrong. Number one, everyone needs to understand... Not all information you want can be found online. There are records that will never be digitized and available online. And these records, like this, are kept in every historical and genealogical society across the country. You want to work with and support the society in the places your ancestors lived. And that will greatly improve your research outcomes. Number two. For any community out there who is either starting a genealogical society or moving an existing society to a new location, take a note to self. Put the society building on a hill or otherwise in a place where there's no possibilities of floodwaters reaching the records. The Genealogical Society of Lynn County's 2022 objectives are, 1. The Society is working on digitization of 70,000 voter registration cards prior to and including 1966. Volunteers have been working on this for four to five years so far. Number two, volunteers are working on a World War I project to create a book of the names and information of the soldiers of World War I. Once they're done with that, they intend to create a book of soldiers of World War II. Both are very large projects. Number three, the Society is updating and digitizing the records of the Czech National Cemetery. Number four, volunteers are working on digitizing the county court record books. Number five, the Society continues to maintain cemetery records for the 100 cemeteries in Linn County. And finally, they want to maintain and increase the visibility of the Society to the public. Some of the highlights from this episode... Ruth provided us with an interesting overview of the history of Linn County and the history of the Linn County Genealogical Society. We learned about the magnificent Masonic Library building that the Genealogical Society of Linn County, Iowa is located in. Take a look at the building on Google Maps. It's very impressive. The Genealogical Society of Linn County, Iowa was designated as a Family Search Center in 2020, and that's a big deal, because you can access records on Family Search that otherwise you wouldn't be able to access. This quote from Ruth, We have the most complete collection of Linn County records and materials anywhere on the planet. We are always free. We are always accessible to anyone of any age. And we have very low fees to make copies and for membership. Another quote from Ruth, We are so dedicated with our volunteers who gather, preserve, digitize, and index these records about the people of Linn County, which otherwise would be lost forever. The Society is supported 100% by donations and volunteers. Please help support the Genealogical Society of Linn County, Iowa today. Ruth reviewed the funding and fundraising particulars of the Society so you know where the funds are going and what the priorities are. Ruth related a few interesting research stories. One of the records in an old court record book was quite valuable. It's a manumission record from 1857. A manumission record is an official record freeing a slave. This one was signed by a Paddock and Rachel Cheadle, giving Catherine Griffin her freedom from slavery. The society was contacted by a caretaker in the Henri Chapelle American Cemetery on the border of the Netherlands and Belgium where Americans are buried. The caretaker was interested in obtaining the life story of one Robert A. Hazley, who is buried or memorialized at Plot C, Row 10, Grave 7. He served in the 41st Infantry Regiment, 2nd Armored Division, and was killed in action. The Genealogical Society of Linn County researched and provided information about Robert's life to the caretaker, who is compiling information about the soldiers in the cemetery. They also connected the caretaker with Robert's family in Colorado. The society provided research information for a movie by Clint Eastwood called Changeling. The movie was about a boy found in Illinois who was thought to be a missing child in California. It's an interesting story. Ruth was kind enough to provide an overview of the various types of records available for research at the Genealogical Society of Lynn County in Cedar Rapids. Ruth described an abundance of events the Society attends annually to bring awareness of the Society to the public. Something unique about Cedar Rapids, the City Hall, the Courthouse, and the County Jail were all built on an island in the river. Cedar Rapids is the only city in the Western Hemisphere to do this. The Society sponsors a monthly outreach program. There are programs of all types. The list is available on the Society's website. They hold them in-house and on Zoom for members outside the area. That's really nice. Some of the guests have included research specialists in various cultural groups and research methods at these events. Ruth made us aware of a group called the Genealogy Junkies, which meets every Wednesday morning in the Genealogical Library. The group is open to anyone, so come and join. And finally, join the Genealogical Society of Linn County, Iowa, and you'll get the Linn County Heritage Hunters newsletter every month along with several other benefits. Okay, after you listen to this program, if questions occur to you and you would like more information, please connect with the Society via the contact information provided in this program. If you're a listener in the area the society serves or if you're a listener researching ancestors in the community the society serves and you're not already a member, please consider joining and supporting them. The contact information for the society, their website is gen, G-E-N, dot Weebly, that's w e e b l y.com. You can email the society at gen, G-E-N-S-O-C-L-I-N-N-C-O-I-A at AOL.com. You can call them at 319-369-0022, and you can send mail to them at 813 1st Avenue, Southeast, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, 52406. Now, this is important. The Genealogical Society is located in the lower level of the Masonic Library and Museum. Free parking is available in the rear parking lot across the alley behind the building. Free parking is also available in the PCI Park Aid. You enter at the back of the building and take the stairs to the lower level. There are handicap accessible accommodations available, so please call ahead so arrangements can be made. The Society also has a Facebook page, so just look for the Genealogical Society of Linn County, Iowa. I hope this information helps the audience understand how valuable the society is to the community and what kinds of excellent services they have to offer to their members and the public. The Genealogical Society of Lynn County is truly one of our preservation oaks. Okay, that's a wrap for this episode. Music used today is from Scott Holmes, 50sounds at 50sounds.com, Anthem of Rain, Francisco Letera, Aaron Kenny, and Cymbal MicroStream Radio is a registered trademark. This broadcast is owned and copyrighted by MicroStream Radio. It cannot be rebroadcast, downloaded, copied, or used anywhere without the written permission of MicroStream Radio. Thanks to everyone for listening. This is Sean Thomas Radcliffe. See you all next time on Preservation Oaks.